absolutely ridiculous. Hello everyone, welcome to Around the Course Squash Podcast. With me as ever is Joe Crawford and Christopher Sackley. Sack, <laughs> Sackley. Uh, Amanda Sovi took a leaf out of Vitas Karula's book, the American tennis player who was most famous for his quote after beating Jimmy Connors on the 17th time of try and said, nobody beats Vitas Karula's 17 times in a row. Amanda said the same thing or something similar yesterday when she beat Sherbini in a shock, in a very big upset, 11-9 in the fifth, and said nobody beats two Sovies in a row. It's not quite 17, but... I don't think there's 17 Sobies for Shabini to play against. How are you doing, fellas? I'm good. <laughs> Look at that enthusiasm. I've been on a squash court this morning. First time since March. Oh, man. You're going to be sore tomorrow. Actually, you'll be sore on Sunday. <laughs> uh, I think I'll be sore tomorrow and Sunday. <laughs> sore tomorrow, sore-er on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. How was it? Uh, it was... Fine. It was a little bit bizarre just because playing in a mask I hadn't done before. And I mean, my squash these days is pretty bad at the best of times, but when you haven't played for 10 months, then it's even worse. So I felt a little bit lost. <laughs> so taking Literally 10 months. Literally and metaphorically. <laughs> so you didn't come off flying like Ramya Shore, taking six months off and felt like a world champion. No, I don't, definitely don't think I could win the Worlds at the moment. Yeah, just, you know, once you get back into your groove, go easy on yourself, you know? Yeah, maybe I'll play in another 10 months and I'll, I'll feel better. <laughs> All good. Cup of tea. Let it rock. <laughs> <laughs> Only had a cup of tea because my coffee machine's broken, as you know, so. Got it. Yeah. Got it. I actually ran out of coffee today. Bought my first coffee uh, since the pandemic started. How would you rate it against your own? That's, I'm curious. Uh, I think it's it's not bad. I, 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 I must admit, and I butchered a couple of hundred coffees, so I'm, it, <laughs> it, it definitely took a while, but my coffees are getting pretty good. I've been pretty consistent. I would say maybe one in 10 is, is not great. And then the next six or seven are pretty solid. And then two or three are outrageous. <laughs> yeah, I, I like just, I don't know, I've got, I got used to the way I make them at home. And I just like that. I sometimes find, you know, you go out and they're too sweet or they do something to them. Um, and I, I always like my own brew. Yeah, homemade, man. Homemade. Yeah. Can't I did have I did have a nice cappuccino from a nice little bakery the other day, though. That was that was just right. So, beauty. Did you pick Sometimes. up a pastry? Oh yeah, blueberry muffin. Oh man, delicious! You, delicious. No, no croissants. Uh, it was like midday. It was more of like a lunch muffin. Okay, luffin. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a luffin. Ah, <laughs> uh, I, I I gotta say, I do. That's the one thing I you know I'd love to be able to do is make a couple of a couple of croissants. Uh, was on if you're in France. You could get there. You just need more time. Oh, man. Just when that sort of <laughs> buttery bread just kind of crackles and just melts in your mouth, washed down with a nice flat white. This is one of the many things that I have absolutely nothing to contribute on. <laughs> it's okay. I think you're, you're going to lead us out with a squish. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I did have a marathon day yesterday. I think I saw every single rally of all four matches. So 
ask away. I'm ready to go. Ready to go. Question number one. Um, well, yeah, I mean, obviously the biggest upset, although there was a few, was uh, Amanda taking out Nurel Shabini. She was the big favourite and seemed to be the form player, also world number one. Um, I just thought, and it's not often I'm critical of Shabini, I thought tactically she got the match completely wrong. Um, obviously went to five, so the two games she won, she won fairly comfortably, I think 11-4 and 11-7, but even the 11-7, I think she was 10-4 up and then lost a few points at the end of the game. But the biggest difference in the game she won versus um, the game she lost was that she didn't try and play at too fast a pace. She didn't hit the ball too hard. And I just think with, with Amanda, Amanda reads Shabini really well, better than most people. So even when she's sort of holding and twisting and turning her, it doesn't really seem to affect Amanda as much as it does with other players. The other major advantage for Amanda against Shabini is that Shabini likes to dictate those rallies up and down that backhand wall, which obviously with Amanda being left-handed, it's her forehand where she's uh, probably a lot stronger than most girls that Shabini plays. But the biggest thing that she got wrong, and it's not like me to give Shabini advice, is that tactically she just played at too fast a pace. Amanda loves that sort of fast pace. Um, Chris, I think you commented that she's got a really short, sharp, punchy swing so she can deal with the ball coming at her quickly in the middle of the court. And the other main thing is that the ball gets so warm that you can't really lengthen out the court and stretch her into the corners. And you saw in the, the two games that Shabini won that she just got really good starts, played played the ball in. Obviously, the ball's a little bit colder because it's not been hit for a couple of minutes. And then they come back on court and Shabini just starts taking it in, doesn't give uh, Amanda a chance to sort of play her way in or get the ball warmer and her holds are so much more effective when the ball's dying and fading away and staying in the corners. And then the games that she lost when the ball got warmer, it was just sort of setting up a little bit more and she couldn't really stretch out the court and expose Amanda's movement anywhere near as well. Um, like I say, it's not often I see Shabini get a match wrong tactically so badly. Oh, there you go. I think is there a little bit, it's like, because you had her back, then you know that you're in line for extra push-ups this weekend. <laughs> you're like Shabini yeah. no I did five sets of nine the other day and I'm still sore <laughs> I'm not mad I'm just disappointed in you Shabini yeah. what you could have done <laughs> there's got to be an element as well where and I didn't see all of the match Stuart but is there, there an element where Amanda obviously had to play extremely well she hit really good length especially on that left side and then took her chances when they were there to be taken she certainly did play well, yeah. Um, but I just think that, I think Amanda, if you play her the wrong way, is almost impossible to beat um, against any, any of those girls. I think what's maybe not unique, but certainly different about Amanda is that she has some really big strengths that you have to kind of try and nullify or avoid but she also has a few bigger weaknesses than some of the other girls in the top 10. Um, and I just think, like I said, that Shabini played into Amanda's strengths. And yeah, full credit to Amanda, especially the the end of the fourth and fifth game. She held things together really well. She attacked and didn't make errors. And was a, I mean, she was a deserving winner. So I'm not taking anything away from her. She definitely was the better player on the day. And... Um, as much as I'm criticising Shabini for her tactics, I thought Amanda played 
the match perfectly from a tactical point of view. Um, she's got she's got some more bounce in her step this week too. I think just like a little bit, a little bit quicker, a little bit more explosive, and I think you can see that in like in the shots she's playing. You know, the straight lines are firing down the wall. The kills going in super hard, super tight. And, uh, yeah, I mean, everything comes from the movement. And I think she's just kind of, you know, back into – back up to closer to full speed now. Yeah, you mentioned that earlier on in the week, Chris. You sort of said that you kind of recognized in that first-round match that she looked razor sharp. Yeah. Yeah, the first couple of events she didn't quite look look like she does now from a movement standpoint, right? So – yeah. It just takes away some of her strengths. She's not on the ball quick enough to use that power and hit those lines and stuff. And this week she's firing them all around. Keep it yeah, up, it's Amanda. <laughs> but it's amazing just with that extra little, like 2%, that little extra spark just from the middle of the court, that little fire and with her first movement off the middle, what it can do and the difference it makes to her game. Yeah. yeah and I think that's why for me, like playing – Continuing to play, I think, makes it so much easier to coach because, like, I played last week after five days off, and I felt like I was flying again. And then literally the next day I was sore, and I felt <laughs> slow again. And it's amazing how – what it does, like, you know, you've you've your tactics, you don't have to think about them because you're just in the right place at the right time. And it becomes like you're on autopilot and then your balls are just going where they want them. Cause you're, you're there early, you have options and you have, you know, the right angles and everything's kind of just flowing nicely. And then when you're, when my movement's off, it's like, Oh man, it's, it's a shocker. So. Yes. I think someone yesterday that fit into that category was Gohar. Um, so she played first match of the day against Joel King, and exactly as you're talking about, Chris, she just um, she wasn't getting in and out of the corners as smoothly. Like she's someone that when she plays well, she sort of bounces off the off the shot and back to the tee. Whereas that wasn't the case. Um, I mean, I made a couple of notes that her her tee position just felt a little bit deeper than it normally would be mostly caused by the fact that she was struggling to get off the shot and, and recover quickly. Yeah, the way. It was really noticeable, this event, with, like even from the first game that she played, right? Like uh, I could tell, and, and I think someone, uh, the announcer said she's struggled with a couple different injuries over the last year. Yeah, I think she's, had, she's got a heel problem, I've heard them say okay. um, currently, but... She's also had two really tough five setters leading into yesterday's match. So she she obviously had her match with Farida, and then after we recorded her last episode, she was the last match on, and she scraped through against Alison Waters as well in five. So whether it was a little bit of fatigue from two five setters or it was the injury problems, she just didn't look like her movement was flowing, and then suddenly the rest of her game falls apart. Yeah, I'm sure it was compounded because even from the first game, I knew she wasn't quite moving like she can. And I remember that U.S. Open that she won just, what, a uh, would have been a year just and a half a year ago. ago. Yeah, yeah. A year and a half ago or whatever. And um, she, she was, like, she doesn't have the best tactics, but she hits a super heavy ball. And, and when she's moving well, 
she's like firing the ball around really fast with really kind of really strong movement and kind of always around the middle. And like you're saying, I mean, she was just really struggling to get in and out of the corners, which she couldn't really play as good as shots when she got there because she wasn't as strong. And then she took longer to get out of those shots. So she was just like never quite in position ever. And I mean, obviously 10, 10 games and two or three days is going to compound that even worse. So um, I do think her tactics when she gets like, you're right. They're they're not as complex as say somebody like a Sarah Jane Perry, but when she needs to be feeling good physically or or moving well physically, otherwise, like you said, she's not getting out of the corners. She's leaving herself exposed in other areas of the court. So it's so hard. Uh, and that, that, that compound effect of like just always being getting further and further away from the ball, which just makes life very difficult for her to impose her game. Mm-hmm. Um, like when she's in front, she's volleying, she's like hitting that heavy ball and and getting into the front corners really quickly and, and sort of cutting off the next ball. She's a nightmare. It's relentless. But it's yeah. it's it's like it's I suppose you maybe compare it to someone like Nadal in a, in a tennis format where it's just you know what's coming and it's going to be hard. You <laughs> yeah. also know if it's if they're off physically, which is a very rare occasion. You know that you, you you know you can maybe expose some of the other sort of deficiencies, or or maybe that might be where Noran might be exposed for not sort of slowing things down a little bit and trying to build our way into that sort of tempo, or or maybe not at all, just having a different structure that fits how she feels physically on that day yeah yeah no because she does she's yeah by tactically I guess she doesn't ever or she doesn't use um as much variety as some of the other players but she sees openings and she puts the ball into that opening very (laughs) very quick very well right so yeah just not probably movement she wasn't able to create enough openings and uh probably left herself a little too exposed but yeah. Again, just to give some credit to Joelle for her performance yesterday against Gohar, she she played really solid, good basic squash. I think it was obvious that she was struggling a little bit with her movement at the front, and Gohar, I mean. Um, but one of the temptations there is that you get carried away and you use it too much. But I thought Joelle found the balance between still playing good, simple basic squash, hitting her targets in the back and then waiting for her opportunity and not just going for the cheap winner too early. Yeah, she she looked very focused and disciplined to stick to her guns there. Yeah, she almost sort of dropped off a little bit in the third. I think she had a bit of a lead. Um, just yeah, That's right. she did. Yeah, she led about five two early on, and then she sort of let Gohar back in, but then was just able to hold on and close it out eleven nine. It's an interesting one, that isn't it? Like when you when you're two of up and you have a lead in the third it's very easy to sort of get maybe fraction complacent. And at that level, it doesn't take much. It, like what you said, Stuart, like it just takes, go for one shot a little bit too early. You give a little bit of an impetus to your opponent. And before you know it, 5-2 can turn into 7-9 very quickly and you're on, on the back foot and under a little bit of pressure to close it out. Yeah. There was one of the girls, I can't actually remember who said this, but one of the girls in their post-match interview talked about momentum. Um, and how how easy it is to to sort of ride it when you have it, but then how difficult it can be to to turn it back around. Um, yeah, I think that applied in that match. Yeah, um, it can be tough. You've got two different forces going in opposite directions. You know, you got high going low and low going high, and it's very hard to go high 
after you've gone travel law. <laughs> and if anyone out there can make sense of that, then just let me know. <laughs> oh. nobody knows what it means, but it's yeah. provocative. Then <laughs> <laughs> oh. the second match of yesterday um, was quite an interesting match. Sarah Jane Perry beating Camille Serum despite losing, she was 10 love down in the first and eventually avoided the bagel and then lost the game 11 11 1 and then came back and won in four. So it was a situation where the momentum in the first game didn't really carry forward and pay off for Camille. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You picked up on a on a, on a little detail at 2 1 or 3 1 in the second, Stuart? Yeah. So. Obviously, Sarah Jane's lost the first game 11-1 and she was 2-1 down at the start of the second and Camille sort of, Sarah Jane hit a reasonable length to the back forehand. Camille just sort of scraped it out, mishit it and it just died in the front corner. Um, Lovely. And, and it was one of those like, you're 11-1, 3-1 down and you're just, this is the last thing I need. And I think she actually commented, she doesn't even need that. Um, but it almost seemed to relax her. It was almost like she just thought, well, clearly today's not my day. I've got, I don't know what I can do to turn this around, but I'm just going to sort of relax and at least try and give a respectable showing. And it, from that moment on, she almost didn't put her foot wrong. She She's found her game. Um, we've t- talked offline about she's got quite a complex game Sarah Jane in terms of there's a lot of things that have to work well at the same time for her to play her best um, when it does happen it's great to watch because it's quite varied and there's a lot of nuance and subtlety to it that I think real squash fans can appreciate um, but it's not as simple as some other players where it's like well as long as I move well and I hit the ball hard I'm going to play well with Sarah Jane, there's a lot of hold, there's a lot of variety. She obviously wants to use the full court, but she can't get carried away too much doing some of her, not trick shots, but like her sort of skillful improvisations. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she just, she found that rhythm and that sort of middle ground on everything that she was trying to do, where she was holding, but she wasn't overdoing it. She was using the front, but she wasn't overdoing it. Yeah. She was... She was finding perfect lines in the back of the court. That's one of the things that when you hold, it's, it's quite hard to still hit with the same level of accuracy and control. Yeah. And she, I mean, certainly from the third and fourth game on, those two games, her her control was just spot on. There's a particular shot I remember towards the end of the fourth where she just held on the backhand side. She'd put the ball in short a few times really well, so Camille sort of steps forward and she just punched it deep to a perfect dying length beautiful shot yes yeah, she's she's I, I really love watching Sarah Jane play so skillful yeah um and we always talk about the one thing that she's maybe lacking is a little bit of consistency and I think that comes from the fact that her game is so sort of complex and nuanced and almost advanced that it's hard to put all those pieces together at the same time consistently yeah just on top of all this she's mentally very tough she always strikes me as someone who's incredibly gutsy. Um, I remember watching her play Camille in Finland a couple of years ago at the European Championships and it was in the final. And Sarah Jane was too loved down, looked dead and buried and somehow found a way and came back and won very close, saved a couple of match balls in the fourth and won the fifth. I think she seems like she's got a really good perspective on the game and that she's 
obviously very committed and takes it seriously, but she never seems to get too down by losses or bad performances. She sort of is able to place the game in the right context. And I think that helps when you're in those situations like yesterday where she's thinking, well, this is just a disaster, but she's not getting frustrated. She's not like having a tantrum and throwing a racket. She's just like, well, I've got to just try and do the best I can. Same when the match you're talking about when she's behind and she's not overly concerned about the, the score or the overall result. She's just trying to perform at her best. Yeah. <coughs> Sounds healthy. <laughs> yeah. it's that bad coffee <laughs> I, I was um oh no i meant sarah jane's uh mentality <laughs> oh sorry yeah it, <laughs> my, my, my little cuff so, no, yeah, no. Her, her mentality very healthy <laughs> um i was surprised to see you know for two players fairly that have kind of seemed to be around the same ranking um joelle has a seven two head to head uh, win loss record against Sarah Jane. So SJ yeah. trying to trying to bring that a little bit closer. Who's who's our pick? We got some push ups on the line. Stuart, you do def you definitely do not want to be doing more, but I hope you I, I hope you do. <laughs> I don't even know if I could do another sixty today. Um I had to break my sixty into ten sets of six yesterday, so Jeez. that's where I'm at. Well it could be twenty sets of three then or maybe even fifty sets. Uh <laughs> I'm going to stop there. 30 sets of two. <laughs> um, and then so finally, the last match um, that, to talk about, um, Hamami and Tesney Evans. Yeah, that one was interesting because we obviously had Tesney on our preview episode and she talked about seeing that the level of physicality in the women's game is going up and up and up and realising that she had to work on that if she wants to compete with those girls. Um and we actually talked about this in one of our other episodes about whether if she got to the quarterfinals and played Hamami, would she be able to either not necessarily match Hamami, but neutralize that strength by slowing the game down and playing it on her terms, controlling the pace. Um, she struggled early on. She sort of was a little bit loose. It wasn't that she was playing too fast. She just wasn't accurate enough. Yeah. And then she really found her game. I think she was 9-4 down in the first game. And then started finding some really good floaty tight drives down the backhand wall, sort of forcing Hanya to come across and volley it. But because it was so tight, there was nothing she could do. Yeah. And then Tesney was able to either take advantage of the loose ball, put it away, or just she was getting straight out errors from Hamami. Yeah. Um, and she got back to 10 all and then closed out the game 12 10 with, with a brilliant backhand volley drop winner to finish right. the game. Her decision-making seemed to change. it Not change, but wasn't as good as the match wore on. Got caught up in that sort of fast-paced game. and yeah, Hanya obviously was trying to force the pace and trying, even though she had a really tough five-game match the day before, you could see that she still felt good and she was still fairly sprightly and moving well. So she still wanted to try and extend the rallies and make it physical for for Tesney, and I think Tesney was trying to do the right things. I just don't think, she, I mean, you obviously have to play at a very high level in terms of accuracy to, to stop your opponent taking the ball early and injecting pace into the game. Yeah. And I think that was her biggest issue was that she just couldn't get the ball tight and fading away and dying in the back of the court to open up the front for her. She, um, she, did, a, 
she did an interview after uh, that last round match and was talking about, she was very clear that she knew her strength was, um, you know, her movement and her fitness and, and kind of complimented uh, Nayla that, you know, she's probably right up there with her uh, on that front. But it's just, it is interesting how many, you know, 20 year olds are really going after that to be like something they want to be the best at on the tour. Right. I find, don't you, wouldn't you think a lot of young talented up and coming players for a little while, it probably takes them, it takes them a little while to find that toughness and that, like that level of um, dedication to the physical part of the training. And she's kind of just taken that on. Like she's always been a good mover, obviously, but to also then be able to just come back after really good battles like that, um, like that uh, round of round of 16 and then just back it up and be like, okay, I'm just going to push the pace again today. And I know, I know that's going to be my strength. I mean, it's pretty impressive from, from a young player. It is, but I think, I mean, different players have different strengths. Um, so I think if you are a naturally good athlete, then you, you should recognize that and you should try and develop your game around that. Um, the thing that stands out for me with Hamami is just how much the rest of her game, I mean, she's always moved well, as you say, Chris, but she's she's added some real weapons. She's... she's yeah. um, That backhand cross-court flick. Yeah. It's a beauty. Got a couple of whiplashes watching it. Watching it. Yeah. And you, you probably have more juniors who are successful through... Um, sort of racket ability and talent that way that maybe as you say have to work harder on the physical side to get themselves to a level but she's clearly just a naturally gifted athlete so to me it yeah, makes it's, sense it's, it's more way. the it's more the conditioning I guess like she was she was an unbelievable mover when she was you know I think I watched her first um, finals of world juniors when she was like 16 unbelievable mover but yeah, to get up to a level of conditioning where you can just kind of back up performances against top, you know, 16 players in the world every event and never really looks like she has a down day in terms of her conditioning or, you know, the ability to push through some toughness. Um, it's pretty good. She seems like she thrives on it as well. I mean, the, the epic battle she's had with Camille, she's never really shied away from it. She seems like she really enjoys those hard physical matches. Um, and that, I, I suspect that comes from her training as well. She obviously enjoys the physical side of the game and probably enjoys working. Like where, where you say to a group of players, right, we're going to do court sprints or ghosting. She was, she seems like the sort of player would be like, yes, I love this. Whereas this other pump. players are like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so that obviously translate into her becoming fitter, but then also just embracing that challenge when it comes along in a match. Her bro was a, I don't know if you've seen much of him play, but he's always having some ding-dongs as well. He yeah, I haven't seen him play much, if I'm honest. He wouldn't be as, as good as his sister, obviously, but I mean, even in the Egyptian Open just gone, it was, you know, he had a, a 102-minute match in the first round. Um, well, they have the same coach. I mean, you definitely see it in, in younger players that just enjoy pushing themselves and training hard physically, and then there's, there's certainly plenty that don't. 
Um, <laughs> see them every day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a nice mix. It's like those. Those are like, uh, okay, guys, we're going to start some running, some ghosting. Uh, and then you have half the kids are like, no way, man, no way. It's, it's Monday. We can't do this on a Monday. And the other's like, how many? Have you got? How many you got, coach? How many you got? Is that all? Give me some more. <laughs> used to say at the camps quite a lot. We used to do a sort of beep test on the first day of camp and. And there's always two or three kids out of maybe 30 or 40 that will literally run until they can no longer keep up with the beat. I always say to kids, like, you should fail the beat test by being unable to make it before the next beat. You shouldn't just decide, I've had enough, I'm out. Because to me, you haven't, you've quit in that instance, you haven't failed. The aim is to fail, not to quit. Yeah, it's an interesting test, that isn't it? It really sort of plays on the mind because you're you're hurting, but you're not you're not goosed. Yeah, it's just how long are you willing to suffer for? Yeah. And like you said, I think that that's the ultimate test. If you can just continue to suffer and just let the beat beat you, yeah, I think the mindset for for, for me with that, with that is always like, imagine somebody has a gun to your head and you got to keep going, or you can't <laughs> go no longer. <laughs> and then, yeah, I'd like to remind our listeners who's who's uh, talking to them right now. You two give yourself voluntary beep tests on your bikes and on your on your running steward uh like feels like weekly you're sending sending in results so it's great, it's great to suffer though chris it really is <laughs> like you feel so good you get through maybe it. this is chris maybe this is the difference between how you're like i just don't understand hamami i don't know how, how she can push and push <laughs> and me and arthur was like makes perfect sense to us yeah. yeah no i so i i definitely enjoy the uh I enjoy, like I think I mentioned to you guys the other day, I played a bunch of squad. I've been playing a lot recently, a couple of days a week, but I hadn't really, I hadn't really lost and I hadn't been under like an insane amount of pressure in a little while. And I, I kind of missed that a little bit, like that just pain of, of it. But I, I kind of enjoy it through playing. Like I enjoy pushing through, you know, when it, you're at your max heart rate and it's eight all. Like I don't necessarily enjoy running to the next line again, <laughs> like you crazies. <laughs> I think there's something really romantic about suffering in physical activity, be it through sport, be it through running, cycling. Well, they're both sports as well, be it through training or through competition. I just think yeah. it's just, it's just the ultimate. And like, again, this, this is my mindset just to continue to suffer. And I always say to the kids that I teach, it's like, don't focus on how you feel. Like if you're running, you're just thinking about, okay, let's get one foot in front of the other. If you're playing squash, you're focusing on what you're trying to do in the next rally. Don't focus on how you feel because the minute you do that, you're gone. You're goose. And it's very hard to come back from that. And I just think, I just love, I love suffering. I feel great after. <laughs> Personally, I get the, I get that kind of nice, like cleansed feeling more cleansed. after a really hard game of squash. Like, when you're just you sweat everything out physically and mentally you're just roasted but you feel like in this kind of like pure cleanse state whereas i don't know if i'd get that after a beep test <laughs> i think i'd I'm, just be i'm <laughs> the opposite the little black ball in the court it gets in the way of my suffering by slowing me down and making me think about what shot to hit and just yeah yeah, yeah no and you i come across we come across players that are that are one way or the other, right? Some excel at the, at the off court training and, and then they don't, yeah, they don't ever seem to be able to put it, put it into play as much. It's like harder to see them 
use that strength on court. And then others, like, unless they have a, like, I used to have a kid, even in warm-ups, he'd be throwing a squash ball against the wall every, like, he couldn't warm up without, like, doing something, like having a tennis ball or a ball to throw around and goof around. He needed, like, distraction. On that note, like, I was very like that. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Like, I could hit the ball. I knew I was a good athlete. So my mindset when I was 18, like, when I moved over to the UK, was, like, I'm just going to get really, really fit. And I just took out what, you know, the old school guys did, like your Jonah Barrington's, your Jeff Hunt's, particularly Jonah, actually. He was, like, my hero. And then, you know, Peter Marshall was at the club and I'd heard what he used to do. And then I'd hear what all these other legends of the sport used to do. So I basically used to copy that. And I did get really fit, but I still didn't have a clue what I was doing. But my mindset was, if I was really fit, I could hang in there long enough to start to understand or to start to learn. (laughs) And I did, but it was just a really, really slow process. And it was probably only by the time I just, the time I retired, I was like, oh yeah, I get this now. Now I know. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. So semi-finals later on today, what's our predictions? Oh, it's tough, bro. Turn us on the spot. Well, I picked Hanya for the overall win. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick, although I actually think herself and Amanda is going to be very close today. I do too. I, I think it's going to five. I'm going to say Hanya in five. Amanda's going to ride the wave. She's, gonna, she's feeling good. She's had. She's clocked up a win against the best player in the world. I think it's going to go to five. I'm going to pick Hanya for the win, and then I'm going to go. I'm going to go Joel King in five. Couple fibers. Silence. <laughs> no, it's a good pick. I I had Joel coming through. I um, I filled out an entire sure bracket. You did. I did. I'll show you. Um, and then I had a I I didn't I didn't have SJ beating uh, Camille so yeah I I thought Joelle was going to make it further originally I'm going to stick with her as well and I'm I also took Hamami to win the whole event Um, so I won't go back on that Uh, five and five huh bold predictions yeah um it's like going to be like the quarterfinals day of guitar. Five, yeah. five, five, five. <laughs> okay, go ahead, Stuart. I'll get my scores while you're picking. Well, I'm going to go Hanya in four. Um, I think she she's going to be able to just move Amanda around the court a little bit more than Shubini managed to yesterday. and That's just about going to be enough, although I think, I think it's going to be very close um wouldn't surprise me if one of those games sort of around the second or third is a tie break and that's kind of where the match swings and then I also think I'm going to go Sarah Jane Perry I thought the way she played yesterday like I say it's hard to find that but I think once she found it it's probably easier to come back the next day and put it together again so I think if she plays the way she did against Kimi then she's going to be really hard to stop and I'll put her I'll say her in four or five, but I'll, if I have to pick, I'll go five. Oof. Ding Crazy. dong. Um, okay, I'm going to go Joel in five. And um, 
just for the just for the purposes of our push up bet, I'm gonna take Amanda in five. Ooh, go, go for the win. Go for the, for the win. win. One of our one of our best listeners too. So I'm backing you, Amanda. That's a podcast bump. I like oh. it. So I'd be pretty happy with that. Be nice to see an international final. Yeah. This do, this doesn't this doesn't negate my original pick if Amami goes through and wins the whole event. Oh, of course not. Yeah, yeah. you should be. You, that, that's minus ten points. You got to have ten pushups for that. <laughs> that has been one of the good things about this event is seeing not just four Egyptians. Not not that there's anything wrong with that because as we've said before, there's some great players from Egypt and they all have slightly different styles. So it's not like you're watching the, the same player Colland four times play against himself, but. Yeah, it's been nice to see um, some international representation with obviously an American, a New Zealander, and an English girl. Yeah, I think it probably bodes well as well for those for anyone who's just tuning in for the first time, just to see that there's a variety of nations represented in a major semi-final. Yeah, Reneem and Nor just saying you're welcome. interesting tweet last night wasn't it Uh, I sent you guys a screenshot and Pharaoh Squash said Raneem Noor are you going to come out of retirement and uh, what was what was the response I think think soon was in the wording soon and a a prayer soon I hope right soon I hope yeah there's there's no way she's not coming back as far as I'm concerned (laughs) brilliant happy days legend Yeah. yeah All right, fellas. Well, we got a good day's squash lined up. I'm looking forward to Stuart's feedback on how stiff he is from squash and push-ups. <laughs> answer that now. Very. very <laughs> I don't need to wait for it to happen. I already know the answer. <laughs> oh, I love it. All right, guys. If you like what you hear, check us out on social. Share with your friends on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, yeah, cheers. Cheers, cheers.